everyone, and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate, where survival is the name of the game. For all you naysayers out there that have sent me vicious emails and texts on Messenger about how wrong I am and that I do not know what I'm talking about, listen to this. Do your own research and then start preparing for the total devastation of our nation that I've been trying to, to prepare for. Oh, um, and keep the hate mail coming because someday very soon you will be thanking me for these broadcasts. That is, if you have the guts to continue to listen and prepare. The first part of this broadcast will be a wake-up call for all of us. And if you do not clearly see the writing on the wall of what is just about to take place within the borders of this United States then you are deliberately looking the other way and you're just as much to blame for the destruction of our great nation as the so-called leadership of our nation. As a nation, we've spent 20 years, thousands of lives, trillions of dollars in Afghanistan. And the, at the end of that massive investment, what do we show for it? A more well-equipped Taliban army and a national disgrace. In his presidential address to the nation, Biden said that we were never engaged in nation building in Afghanistan. Rather, we were there those that attacked us on 9-11, namely Osama bin Laden. The problem is, not only did Biden, as part of the Obama administration, oversee the operation that took him out almost a decade ago, but the invasion was never necessary to get the mastermind. In an October 14th article from 2001, The Guardian reports, quote, President Bush rejects as non-negotiable an offer by the Taliban to discuss turning over Osama bin Laden if the United States ended the bombing in Afghanistan. Returning to the White House after a week at Camp David, the president said the bombing would not stop unless the ruling Taliban turned bin Laden over turned his cohorts over, turned any hostages they hold over. And he added, there's no need to discuss innocence or guilt. We know he's guilty. In Jalalabad, Deputy Prime Minister Haji Abdul Kabir, the third most powerful figure in the ruling Taliban regime, told reporters that the Taliban would require evidence that bin Laden was behind the September 11 terrorist attacks in the United States, but then added, we would be ready to hand him over to a third country, unquote. The truth is, none of the strenuous efforts of the last 20 years were necessary for us to get bin Laden. The administration was handled, has handled this in the most moves, including the White House Twitter account posting a false image, Kamala Harris tweeting about getting vaccinated, and Jen Psaki had an automatic email response set up saying she would be out of the office for a week. Never in American history has such a calamitous crisis been met with such an incompetent and concerning response from the president and his administration. It's unconscionable that Americans with family members and loved ones in Afghanistan would be left without leadership at such a time as this. Biden has failed 
his administration has failed, and the intelligence community has failed. In a pathetic attempt to convey competence and leadership, the White House Twitter account posted the above picture of the president, which I had a photograph, in the Situation Room, supposedly monitoring the unfolding events of the ground in in, in Afghanistan. Although this image may seem innocent at first, it was an absolute disaster of a PR move. The image leaked the identities and location of the intelligence office workers on the crisis, namely the CIA station in Doha, Qatar. This would be a scandal in itself, but the internet sleuths picked up an even bigger problem with that same picture. As the RT reported, quote, eagle-eyed social media users soon noticed that the clocks on the wall were displaying the wrong times for international cities. Specifically, London and Moscow were shown to be three hours apart, despite the time difference between the two cities currently just being two hours apart. London and Moscow have been two hours apart since March and will return to being three hours apart in November. Biden's incorrect clocks puzzled many social media users with some questioning whether the times had been left unchanged since March and others even proposing that the picture was an old or photoshopped picture, unquote. The Biden administration has completely pooped the bed in every aspect of this crisis. Multiple reports to the ABC News following Biden's address confirmed that the intelligence had indicated this happening for many months leading up to the withdrawal and subsequent collapse of the Afghanistan government. They report, quote, This is a crisis of untold proportions, Representative Jackie Speer, Democrat of California, said, as Taliban militants swept into Kabul. This is an intelligence failure. We underestimated the Taliban and overestimated the resolve of the Afghan army. But numerous United States officials tell ABC News that the opposite was true, insisting that key intelligence assessments had consistently informed policymakers that the Taliban could overwhelm the country and take the capital within weeks, essentially repeating the 1975 of Saigon when helicopters hastily evacuated diplomats from the United States Embassy's rooftop at the North Vietnamese Army stormed into the South Vietnam capital. Come on, people, open your eyes. I'm done begging. I'm done pleading. If you do not want to listen, that's on you. How have we underestimated the Taliban? Let me tell you, there is no underestimation in my mind. Biden has given the Taliban, the tools that they need to take over not only Afghanistan, but our nation as well. War age males from the BLM and Antifa took the United States apart last year. War age males from the southern border and Taliban will take us apart this year. Am I wrong? No. Open your eyes, people. It is almost too late. How can I say that? It is public knowledge that almost every state 
within the borders of our United States, there is an unused military base getting ready to be, if not already, occupied by these same war-age males from the Taliban. They have been brought over here from Afghanistan during this, quote, crisis, unquote. Prove me wrong, because I know you cannot. In all of the photos that you have seen of the people on these planes being taken out of Afghanistan, where are the women and children? Where are the older people? Why are they war age males on those planes? And why were our American citizens left? behind. You hear the news say from Biden, oh, we only have about a hundred people left of American citizens in Afghanistan. Really? Talk to the people that have already arrived here in the United States. What, about 550 American citizens out of over 12,000 that are in Afghanistan? And they will tell you, our own government stopped our own people from getting on those planes. Am I making this up? No. Listen to the heads of the military. Listen to the generals. Listen to the colonels. Listen to the lieutenant colonels. They are saying the exact same thing. Call me a liar. I do not care. Calling me a liar does not change the facts. It is said that Biden has paid a price for this politically, according to a new poll conducted by the very reputable Trafalgar Group. 69.3% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the Afghanistan debacle, yet polling means nothing. Do you all get this? It means nothing because the polls do not stop this administration. The polls do not stop the devastation. As Barack Obama said of the former Vice President Joe Biden, quote, don't underestimate Joe's ability to fuck things up, unquote. It is safe to say that the current administration has significantly significantly fucked this situation up. Thank you, Barack Obama. Although there are hundreds of examples throughout the 20-year war in Afghanistan of government, malfeasance, betrayal, and even treason, without a doubt, Biden's withdrawal was the single biggest screw-up since Bush put boots on the ground. This has been the greatest national embarrassment since the fall of Saigon, topping even the disaster of Benghazi, during both of which Biden was in national government. And those of you who voted for Biden, You got what you voted for. According to Fox News, Biden has left 600,000 weapons, 75,000 vehicles, 200 aircraft, including 158 Black Hawk helicopters for the Taliban to use, all paid for by the American taxpayer, by the way, and gifted by the former vice president's administration. Oh, and I'm not going to mention the $85 billion of funding to the Afghan people that now the Taliban has. And now the Taliban has made it clear that they're pissed off at Biden because they did not leave American engineers and mechanics 
to help work on and fix the vehicles and helicopters. Can you believe that? Now I'm waiting for the Biden administration to send over engineers and mechanics. Oh, all on good faith, you know. According to the Western Journal, quote, Biden administration considering launching airstrikes to destroy U.S. equipment left in Afghanistan, unquote. Evacuation of U.S. military equipment should have been part of the plan from the start. And at the minimum, military officials should have overseen the destruction of anything that they were not able to bring with them. Both parties failed completely in their tasks. The results of their failure is that at the end of a 20-year war, after training an army that outnumbers the Taliban three to one and equipping them with the best anywhere in the world, the Afghan army surrendered without a fight. The Taliban is now larger, more heavily armed, and emboldened than before. Over a trillion dollars and thousands of lives to defeat them. The return on investment is criminal. Following their embarrassing retreat, the Biden administration made a fool of itself yet again by begging the terrorists to form an inclusive government. Fox News reports, quote, despite the Taliban's long history of oppression of women and iron-fisted rule, United States State, State Department spokesman Ned Price Monday urged Afghanistan's new leaders to form an inclusive government that had women in it. Price cited a United Nations declaration calling for an immediate cessation of all hostilities and the establishment through inclusive negotiations of a new government that is united inclusive and representative, including with the full, equal, and meaningful participation of women. Price said that the United States government would recognize a potential new government, Afghanistan, so long as that government upholds rights, does not harbor terrorists, and protects the rights of women and girls. He did not say how the Taliban could convince the United States government that it has formed itself in such a way, because we all know it will never happen. The administration, while making believable demands of the Taliban, has been hard at work evacuating foreign nationals while leaving up to 10,000 to 12,000 American citizens stranded in Kabul alone. The sole responsibility of a government is to take care of its own citizens. Hence the notion of a government for the people and by the people. And then the Biden administration declares that each American must pay $2,000 each for their evacuation while their refugees get a free ride to the American dream. Come on, people. Wake up. What do Westerners and American families in particular risk if discovered in Kabul? The Daily Mail said in an article published on Monday, quote, Victorious Taliban fighters have been filmed trying out a fun fair while militants reportedly go door to door in the Afghan capital looking for interpreters and Western allies amid allegations that gangs are marauding the streets of other cities, hunting girls as young as 12 years old that can they can make their sex slaves. Chilling reports have emerged of Islamic militants stalking cities 
across Afghanistan for women and girls after the terror group swept across the country and seized Kabul virtually unopposed, bringing the 20-year Western intervention to a climatic end. Jihadist commanders are reportedly ordering IMIMs in areas that they've captured to bring them lists of unmarried women aged 12 to 45 for their soldiers to marry because they view them as I'm going to butcher this. Canimat, it's Q-H-A-N-I-M-A-T, or spoils of war, to be divided up among the victors, unquote. And over 12,000 of our American citizens are still there. Axios on Friday reported a confidential United Nations document confirmed the existence of these roving bands of the Taliban going door-to-door looking for Americans or sympathizers. This violates the promise of amnesty the Taliban made to their political opponents on Tuesday of this week and signifies the return of the inhumane practice of implementing Sharia law. During Biden's press conference this afternoon, he said that the Taliban was honoring their deal to let all American passport holders through to the airport. ABC News, CNN, and other mainstream media immediately began fact-checking this absurd claim, which is disproven by hundreds of reports on the ground. Even the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, reported in a briefing call with members from the House of Representatives that Americans were being attacked. This is in direct contradiction with the claims that Biden made less than two hours previous, causing serious questions regarding the honesty of the Biden administration again. In reading an email newsletter from Governor Mike Huckabee, he says the following, quote, Joe Biden, the man who was not there, Yesterday, upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away. The man who wasn't there. The invisible man. Or maybe we should call him the incredible shrinking man, as he seems to get smaller in stature every time we see him. On those increasingly rare occasions, he seems to be a diminished person, a shell of a human being. The light isn't on and nobody is home. And now, as Brian Preston reports at PJ Media, his aides have called a lid on all appearances indefinitely. The expression, putting a lid on it, is nothing new. His campaign employed it to take him out of the spotlight even before he was made president. So don't say we were not warned. As his administration wears on, it's becoming plain why they did that. As Preston points out, Biden headed for the hills, just an expression. It was Camp David, right before Afghanistan fell to the Taliban and was silent during the fall of Kabul. His absence must have been planned to coincide with the chaos because we now know that he anticipated chaos. He told George Stephanopoulos on Wednesday that he knew of no way for us to leave without chaos. Biden waited more than 24 hours after the fall of Kabul to make any public remarks. He came back to the White House on Monday to read a speech off of a teleprompter and then left again without taking any questions. Tuesday, 
unbelievably, it was a silent day. Then on Wednesday, he read again off of the teleprompter to talk about the vaccine booster shots. No, no questions were taken then either. Preston expressed it well in another piece. Biden causes catastrophes, and then he walks away from them. He is a moral monster. The interview with Stephanopoulos was dreadful, and I think the big takeaway for most of us, Republicans and Democrats alike, is that if they ever thought Biden was a kindly, grandfatherly man he was made out to be during the campaign, that impression was shown to be false. Even in an interview conducted by a partisan ally who was arguably there to help him, as always, he just came off as a prickly old man. The details of the interview are in Preston's piece. But I have to say, the low point had to be when Biden was asked what he thought when seeing the images of Afghan men clinging to the United States military plane, taking off from Kabul, and inevitably plunging to their deaths. We've all seen those images. So reminiscent of the ones from the Twin Towers on 9-11 as people jumped to their deaths to end their certain agony. Biden tersely interrupted the question with, that was four days ago, five days ago. In other words, like Hillary Clinton said, what difference does it make? At that time, it had been just two days, but who's counting? Come on, man. The important thing is that to Biden, it was old news and shouldn't have been brought up. Either Joe Biden is the most callous person in American politics today, and that's saying something, or his mind truly is not working right. Either deliberately or helplessly, the man gets lost in an irreverent detail. So which is it? Callousness or feeble-mindedness? Perhaps it really is pure callousness, as Biden did not show compassion during the fall of Saigon either. And that was in 1975 when he was a young U.S. senator, presumably in possession of whatever meager cognitive faculties nature had parceled out to him. It was a similar nightmare scene, and he showed a similar lack of compassion. He did not want to help evacuate people then either. And this time in the interview with Stephanopoulos, he never spoke about the tragedy of the lost lives and certainly never linked it with the insane course of action that he's taken. There was no sign of reflection or sympathy in his empty eyes. The horror of those tiny specks falling high from the sky, that's on him. But he seems capable of 100% denial about that. That would explain how he avoids feeling any regret. The only emotion he showed was irration at being asked about it. No one's being killed right now, he said lightly, knocking on wood. It's exactly what he did. I'm not kidding. The irony is enormous. One major reason Democrats had for opposing Trump was a perception of him not caring about people, especially those foreign people, those immigrants. Recall that at the 2016 Democratic Convention, their 
occurring and outrageously false claim was that Donald Trump has never done anything good for anyone but himself his whole life. They chose to believe their own phony baloney, focus group tested lies about selfish uncaring. Trump and elected Biden, who benefited from his own phony baloney, focus group tested lies about being good old Uncle Joe. Well, good old Uncle Joe now shows a stunning lack of compassion for these desperate people who fought with us on the other side of the globe. Even the estimated 15 to 16,000 Americans still in Afghanistan will be lucky to get out. They're spread out, technically behind enemy lines, while the British are reportedly focused on getting their people out. There's no plan for evacuating Americans unless they can get to the airfield. This is unconscionable. According to the United States Embassy in Afghanistan, the United States government cannot ensure safe passage to the Hamid Karzi International Airport. Sure enough, planes leaving Kabul are reportedly almost half empty. CNN footage shows the airport surrounded by hopped-up Taliban fighters. Nobody gets through checkpoints around the airport without Taliban permission. It's hard to imagine being a situation more frightening. Sean Hannity showed a video from Kabul outside the airport on his TV show Thursday night. It's called Hannity-Biden Administration Zero Plans. So check it out. Oliver North also appeared on Hannity's show with some unfortunate news for any Afghan who made the ill-fated choice to help the United States. Now that the United States Embassy is abandoned, the Taliban have obtained detailed lists of every Afghan who ever worked for America, plus identifying information and where they live. Oliver North now has the lists of those names, addresses, and phone numbers. And Biden gave the list to the Taliban. Let that soak in. Biden was the invisible man again on Thursday with nothing on his schedule in the way of press briefings or any public remarks. The plan apparently was for him to head for his home state of Delaware and hide out. Can you imagine the response if this were President Trump? But of course it wouldn't be Trump because it's impossible to imagine him being in this situation. He would have found the best way, logistically and militarily, to wind down in Afghanistan, not the backwards way. And he's not known for putting a lid on his schedule either. And then there's Vice President Kamala Harris, and she knows how to disappear too, though uh, no one's ever going to miss her. There's no leadership in this country at all. As Biden becomes the invisible man, Kamala stars and the woman vanishes. She went AWOL for a week and hightailed it out of D.C. and went to Vietnam and China and a few other Asian foreign countries when she should have been in the United States fighting for our citizens. 
the tiring monotony of covering the institutional, governmental, and most significantly, significantly bureaucratic failure in these two areas is as necessary as it, as it is exhausting in those two areas is how the fall of Kabul aids the fall of America. The reason being, the establishment has made them beachheads of their systematic attack on the West. Combined with systematic election fraud and totalitarian censorship, these four issues combine for the horsemen of their planned apocalypse. Am I a fearmonger? No. Fact check me. But make sure they are the facts. Each of these serves to usher in different aspects of the new world order, which is inherently anti-American. COVID creates a China-esque social credit system. Election fraud presents them from being held accountable. Censorship prevents the people from organizing resistance. And the failure in Afghanistan imports an army to expedite their destruction of America. It will be impossible for the American populace to mount any resistance against the march towards a postmodern technocracy if we do not recognize the plan in action. On Monday, the last United States planes departed from Afghanistan, meaning not only is the war over there, but the United States government has evacuated approximately 10,000 Afghanistan citizens while leaving Americans to face the Taliban alone. The admission by General McKenzie that there were hundreds of Americans left in Kabul strongly contradicts the statement of the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki when she said, quote, it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are not leaving Americans, unquote. But they did. And it was proven. While Jen Psaki's statement could certainly have been true had the United States government acted in accordance with its moral and legal obligations to its citizens, it turned out to be categorically false, and for no reason. During the escape from the Kabul airport, the United States evacuated mostly non-Americans on mostly empty planes. As the Daily Mail reported, quote, overnight, the United States only put 2,000 people on an eight on 18 C-17 planes. That's an average of 110 per flight. This despite that a single C-17 plane being used on Sunday to fly out 640 Afghans because the crew refused to leave them behind. Just a fraction of that number has made it onto the most recent flights despite the United States pledge of 9,000 per day. In one shocking case, a German plane with room for 150 people departed Kabul on Tuesday with just seven people on board, unquote. Had the Biden administration been unable to get all the Americans out before the August 31st deadline, that would have been a catastrophic failure. The truth is even worse. Think about it. The 31st was Tuesday. The last soldier left on Monday. They still had time. 
according to a letter by Senator Ron Johnson to the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Secretary of State Antony Blinken. He claimed 400 U.S. citizens were turned away because, quote, the rescue was over, unquote. Further implicating this administration for their treasonous handling of the evacuation of Afghanistan is their treatment of Operation Pineapple Express. Our State Department, headed by the same Antony Blinken, spent many hours, resources, and diplomatic efforts blocking the efforts of retired United States Special Forces to voluntarily exfil their fellow citizens. Further solidifying that he does not belong anywhere in the government, Antony Blinken's State Department was handing out blank copies of visas in Afghanistan for people that were being flown into the United States. And those blank visas were given without a barcode or serial number to war-fighting aged males from the Taliban. And there's no way to know who they were intended to be for or to confirm that they match the identity of the person gaining admittance to the United States. Who do we trust? Who do we trust? We have no leadership in our country. We have a government running amok, killing our own citizens. Again. As the Washington Examiner reported, quote, the threat of having Islamic State or Al-Qaeda come into the country is not increased through the southwest border. It's the entry of Al-Qaeda and Islamic State in the groups of refugees that are being taken out of Afghanistan and possibly to the United States because of the lack of vetting procedures that would normally go on to expedite getting all of these people out of Afghanistan, says Kenneth Gray, a senior lecturer in the Fire Science and Emergency Management Department at the University of New Haven in Connecticut. While normally it takes weeks, months, or even years for the consequences of bad government policy to surface, Biden has been hit with a bit of a instant karma for his handling of the evacuation. According to the Washington Times exclusive earlier today, a man who'd been convicted of rape and had previously been deported from the United States was allowed to board an Afghan evacuation flight and reach America according to law enforcement sources. At a time when American citizens are having trouble catching flights out of Kabul, Gadar Hadari made it on an Ethiopian Airlines charter flight for evacuees, unquote. So you guys think I'm making this up? You can't make this stuff up. Open your eyes. Although the conclusions may be unfathomable for those who wish to believe in the persistent goodwill of the United States government, it is undeniable at this point that we have either a government actively pursuing the destruction of the country or one so incompetent it appears that that is their goal. With systematic failures at every turn over the last four month retreat through Afghanistan, failure to control the city of Kabul, even after the Taliban offered it to Marine General Kenneth 
McKenzie and his seeming desire to leave as many Americans behind as possible, our government appears to be looking for ways to fail, to self-sabotage. Oh, you didn't know that the Taliban offered the city of Kabul to the United States? The United States declined the offer. That, again, is public knowledge. Do not forgive me for being angry. This is the same group of people who want to establish a global vaccine passport program, control your children's education from two years old to 22 years old, and usher in a new world order. They clearly have no respect or reverence for everyday Americans, our livelihoods, and our freedoms. Rather, they seem dedicated to undermining our freedoms regardless of the human or financial cost. Our government left Americans to die, imported rapists and terror threats to the United States, and still felt the moral authority to control everyday American lives. When are you going to wake up? Remember this. Remember what our government has done and is doing. We no longer have a free nation. As Thomas Paine, the author of Common Sense, said, quote, Government, even at its best state, is but a necessary evil in its worst state, an intolerable one. Unquote. Now, off of the news and on to survival, because we need it. We purchased an electric dehydrator and vacuum sealer, and I'm excited to use both. When it comes to storing food in case of an emergency, many individuals have found that bulk buying is the way to go. And this approach has also been adopted by families to expend their food budgets. However, with a large quantity of food, many people have the difficulty of being able to consume all of the meat, vegetables, and fruit before they go bad. A handy vacuum sealer and a roll of bags are two items that are frequently neglected but should never be forgotten when faced with this dilemma. Food may be vacuum sealed and kept for considerably longer lengths of time. This enables one to bring food that you wouldn't be able to bring on your vacation otherwise, not to mention. You'll be able to visit the stores less frequently when on the road. And when done correctly, red meat can last up to six extra weeks at the bottom of your camping fridge. Here's a beginner's guide to sealing, to vacuum sealing. It's containing the following topics. topics. There's benefits of vacuum sealing. There's preparing equipment for vacuum sealing. And there's tips on how to seal. And what does vacuum sealing do to your food? A lot of oxygen is removed from the packaging when it's vacuum sealed. 
This significantly limits the ability of aerobic or oxygen-dependent microorganisms, which are the major causes of spoilage. Not only can reducing bacteria's potential to spoil food help lengthen its shelf life, but reducing oxygen content is a great help since it involves many chemical processes that cause food to spoil. And one reason for considering vacuum sealing food is because it has a longer shelf life. Other reasons should be considered as well. But there's a ton of benefits. Food safety is improved by completely sealing the bag, which prevents cross-contamination of your product from external factors. Food is also protected from atmospheric dehydration, freezer burn, and mold, in addition to cross-contamination. You may then allow your items to age, optimizing storage, portion control, and transport. Optimizing the use of your precious storage and vehicle space permits all available space to be used efficiently by stacking various goods together. There will be no spoiling of your items, cross-contamination, or smells. By expanding the shelf life of your products, you may buy bigger quantities of seasonal items and enhance portion control. From the initial purchase through the final presentation, vacuum packing assures food freshness and a professional display at all times. The cleanliness and safety regulations that you must adhere to are also significant considerations. Ensure that you are adhering to the most recent regulatory standards and that you are only using high quality vacuum packing equipment for your professional application. Vacuum sealing your foods does not need much effort. There's quite an upfront cost, but like many other food preservation appliances, you can always buy secondhand for a fraction of the price of the new. To vacuum seal, here's a few items that you need to start. A vacuum sealer. There's a myriad of models and brands of vacuum sealers available that will ultimately achieve the same results. And for your consideration, there are two main types of food vacuum sealers, edge sealers and chamber vacuum sealers. And we purchased the vacuum sealer that has both of those options. Okay, now you have all the necessary equipment. Now what? For starters, your sealer will most likely come with an instruction booklet, which you should have read to learn the basics of your model. Sealing food is relatively simple. Make sure you portion out your food. Your portions should be large enough to serve as a single meal. And when you open a package, you introduce oxygen, which starts the breakdown process. Cut the bags to the size of your portions. Use your sealer to secure the bottoms of each bag. You'll need approximately a half inch of additional room so your seal isn't right up against the edge. Fill the bag halfway with food and seal the bottom. Spread the food evenly on the bottom of the container. If necessary, flatten the ground foods a little bit if, if, if it's ground. At least an inch of additional room should be left along the top of the bag. Some food sealers are a little bit more fussy and will require at least two inches of space. Insert the bag at the top end of the sealer. When you press the button, the air will be pulled out of the bag and it closes firmly. Take the bag out and inspect the seal. The seam will be very easy to spot. Put the bag 
in the sealing unit and close it above the initial seam if there's even the tiniest indication of a seam that is not entirely sealed. So you're basically doing it twice. After each usage, you may have to wipe off the sealing area. It'll be hot, so use a cloth and don't touch it with your bare hands. Place your product on the shelf or in the freezer after you label them. I was going to go into how to smoke meats, but my time constraints are not allowing me because that is going to take at least a half an hour to talk about how to smoke and store meats. But with the dehydrator, I use fruits and vegetables. I do not dehydrate my fruits and vegetables together. I have two dehydrators. I use one for fruits and I use one for vegetables or I use all of the trays in one dehydrator like if I do my potatoes because you can do a lot of potatoes and dehydrate them. You could do a lot of pears, apples, bananas, uh, green beans. Just when you dehydrate them, follow the instructions. I've learned that when it says it only takes two hours to dehydrate pears, make sure you you check your pears and don't say, well, the instructions said two hours and then take them out. If they are crisp, they're done. If they're too wiry, they are not done. After you've cooled them, after they are done dehydrating and after they are cooled, you place them in your bag and you seal them. That simple. Preparedness and homesteading so often go together. And many people beginning the homesteading lifestyle are completely new to it. Start out with the right gear for the projects that you're going to face, and you'll save yourself a lot of headaches. Everyone knows and argues about the best chainsaw or hand drill for everyday woodsman projects. So do your homework and find out what's best for your needs, not just chainsaws or hand drills or dehydrators or sealers. I recommend that if you have not been prepping, if you have not been prepared, it is not too late to start. You may not get as much as what your neighbor has, but at least you'll have something. I am not a fear monger. I am a realist. Look around you. Note what is going on in our nation. Ask questions. And not only ask questions, seek the answers to those questions. Well, everyone, this ends the show for me tonight. I'm frustrated. And I'm angry with our current government officials. I almost said leadership, but our country does not have any leadership at this moment. And the world is laughing at us. Especially the Taliban. And especially as our leaders allow them to take over our nation. Remember everyone, train hard. And train smart, because you're going to need it in order to survive 
thrive and stay alive. This is Kate signing off until next time.